case. Hope Not Hate are basically controlling Britain. Hope Not Hate, an alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backwards thinking, virtue, sick virtue signaling, fake news crack. Hi again, this is Roxana Khan-Williams coming at you on the deadline day to register to vote. If you haven't registered yet, pause this, go on Google, search register to vote and do so immediately. You literally have no excuses anymore because we've been banging on about this for literally ever. After that is done, I wanted to introduce you to a very special episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. I spoke briefly to Kevin Courtney of the National Education Union, the NEU, about his union's election drive in collaboration with Hope Not Hate. And then I spoke to my wonderful colleagues at Hope Not Hate at length about the anti-fascist significance of voting in general and this election in particular. Um, so I guess, first of all, what I'd like to know is um, why the NEU decided to run this campaign with Hope Not Hate um, and kind of why is voter registration and these elections important to you and the organisation as well? The NEU's got a political fund, uh, like many trades unions, but unlike many, we aren't affiliated to Labour Party. So we don't call for people to vote for any particular political party. We have really two purposes for our election fund. One is to support campaigns against racist and fascist parties because they are so inimical to living in a democratic society where you know, we can all be brothers and sisters and live a life that is good with one another. And the second purpose we have for it is to support voter registration campaigns to make it easier to vote, because especially as teachers, we know that quite often young people coming into uh, their first year of voting aren't always confident about how to do it. Some of them go away from school, go to university or college, can't quite make the connection. So helping, you know, putting money into voter registration, that's not party political, obviously, but it's an important thing to do. And we also hear, we know that some communities are less registered than others. And there's, a, there's an equalities aspect to that. We want everybody to be part of the democratic process. So their views are represented in elections so that politicians respond to all the communities in our country. So that's sort of why the NEU has in its political fund that we spend money on voter registration. And we've worked with Hope Not Hate on voter registration during a few of the recent general elections and now in, in this upcoming uh, local election as well, because Hope Not Hate has done good work in this area. So us partnering with them multiplies our efforts. I wanted to wish an enormous thank you to Kevin and the NEU for their involvement with this election drive. It was really great to catch up with Kevin and discuss his early experiences with voting, even spoiling his ballots at one stage when no one stood up for his views. In that case, Hope Not Hate are basically controlling Britain. Hope Not Hate. Hello Nick and Laron, thanks for joining me today. How are you both doing? I'm great, how are you Roxy? Yeah, not so bad, thank you. Laron, you good? Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Perfect, okay. I would, I, I would say, just super quickly, um, apologies <laughs> to the listeners, I've got an extremely creaky chair and uh, I hope that doesn't come through on the recording, but it almost certainly will. So um, apologies for that. Disclaimers, no worries. Absolutely, the, uh, get the excuses in early. Perfect, let's get cracking. Um, so 
Obviously, we're talking about elections today, so um, I just wanted to give a, a brief overview of what the Hope Not Hate election campaign is and um, why this is important. So we're an anti-fascist and anti-racist organisation, so the link between voter registration, elections and Hope Not Hate might not be immediately obvious to some. Uh, Nick, I was just wondering if you could speak to why this campaign is important to us and as an organisation and how it fits in with our wider goals of defeating the far right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were discussing this the other day, and I think it's a really interesting, uh, interesting topic. Um, you know, we've run voter registration campaigns for as long as I've I've been here, and I, it's definitely they definitely happened prior to me being here as well. And I think they're really a key weapon in uh, in our arsenal as anti-fascists. But I can understand why people might think well, what's, what's the connection there between anti-fascism and, and doing voter registration? And I think it really boils down to three, three principles. The first is that, you know, anti-fascists, anti-racists in this country, we, we do outnumber the far right, like considerably. So if we, if we register enough people and if we turn them out at election time, that, that is going to, 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 to mean victory, you know, so that's, so that's, that's point one. I think point two is, we should always assume that our opponents that, that, that they're going to be registered and that they're going to cast their votes. You know, I, I don't need to, to say this to you, to, to you two, but obviously the far right, you know, the enemy of democracy in so many ways, and they, but they will try and exploit it for their own ends. So we have to try and confront them on, on, on that same territory. Um, and, you know, if we just make one mistake, drop the ball one time, you know, that could be a very, very serious consequence. So, that's point two. And then I think point three is a kind of a bit more of a broader point, which is that as anti-fascists, I think we, you know, we really need to be committed to to giving a voice to those who are on the receiving end of the far right's hate. I think quite often um, we can be focused on you know the movers and shakers in the movement and who's doing what and and which group is uh, is on the way up, which group's on the way down, and, and all the rest of it. And we can lose sight of you know the victims of, of of the far right and their activity. And I think you know we need to go to those communities that are targeted by the far right. We need to help them come together to beat hate um, and give a voice to to the, to the people that are so often voiceless in this in these discussions. So yeah, those are the three those are the three ones. The first one outnumber them. The second one is that you know our opponents to be registered and, and and that they're going to vote and we should. We should combat them on that terrain as well. And then the third is go to those communities uh, and, give, and give them a voice. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, mate. Um, yeah, I think that's bang on. Um, so, Laurent, over to you. You're our one-stop shop for all that is election knowledge. Um, could you give us a brief overview of the state of the extreme and far right in these upcoming elections? Um, and which parties do we need to look out for and uh, in what areas? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for my uh, new title. Uh, I would definitely uh, take it as uh, a badge of honour. Um, but I, I would like to thank um, our research team for doing a huge amount of work to uh, track uh, these candidates up and down the country. And this is a really huge and bumper set of elections. Obviously, we had the cancellation of the elections in 2020. And so we've got around 5,000 positions across the country, national elections in Scotland and Wales, local elections up and down in England, London Assembly elections, of course, police and crime commissioner elections, uh, mayoral elections, and uh, we can't forget a parliamentary by-election as well. And a lot 
lot has changed since the last time these seats were contested. Um, we've had Brexit since some of the, these seats were contested. We've had two general elections. And of course, uh, we can't forget the COVID-19 pandemic. And despite some of the anxieties around the pandemic uh, and some of the flourishing of conspiracy theories and uh, of uh, you know this mood, a, a mood amongst some of the radical uh, and far right against lockdown, um, the exploitation of uh, the kind of post-Brexit realities, uh, the electoral far right and extreme right and radical right still remains a really fragmented group and are really poorly equipped um, uh, for these uh, elections. So to, to go through some of the um, uh, parties that are, are are running in these elections, you've got UKIP, um, who have suffered a really remarkable implosion uh, since 2016, um, but still do uh, just about fester in uh, in active politics. Um, Neil Hamilton, a disgraced former Conservative MP, um, hopes to get re-elected uh, to the Senate in uh, South East in South, in South Wales East. Um, and there are UK candidates uh, scattered across Wales uh, and in Scotland uh, as well. Um, and uh, the UK candidate uh, for the London mayoral race is aptly named Peter Gammons, um, who describes himself as uh, one of the world's most uh, famous and in-demand uh, motivational speakers. Um, but that's only helped him to get to 1% uh, in the current opinion polls. You then got For Britain, um, a far-right political party headed by anti-Muslim activist uh, and former UK candidate Anne-Marie Waters. Uh, she will be running uh, in Hartlepool in the local elections. She chose not to run in the parliamentary by-election, uh, which has caused huge divisions within uh, a pretty small uh, group of the leadership of for Britain. Uh, and there are other candidates standing in um, Hartlepool and places like Leeds and Sandwell, but actually uh, they're, they're, the number of their candidates in some of those areas uh, are hugely down uh, on last time. Uh, for example, they're only running uh, one in Leeds and one in Sandwell, which is down from eight and four in 2019. Um, but we are seeing also in Epping Forest, uh, there's a current councillor who was a former BNP councillor, uh, is restanding. Uh, he believes that um, Epping would ideally be a white-only enclave. Uh, and Eddie Butler, uh, who was the man behind uh, the BNP's uh, Rights for Whites campaign, uh, is running uh, for Britain's election strategy uh, and is also standing as a candidate in, in Epping. You then got uh, the extreme far right. You've got uh, members of the British Freedom Party um, who have snuck onto the ballot in Scotland. Uh, all, all is independence. Um, Jada Franson, uh, former deputy leader of Britain First, uh, standing against Nicola Sturgeon in Glasgow Southside. And then you've got other people like Jim Dalson, uh, who was a co-founder of Britain First, uh, contesting Adrian Schatz. You've also got members of other uh, far right parties um, who stand and get you know less than 100 votes but but, but nonetheless uh, want to sow their division in elections so you've got mark cotterell uh, who is the editor who is the editor of the fascist magazine heritage and destiny uh, standing in preston uh, and members of the national front uh, standing in burnley this election is also seeing a number of conspiracy theorists um, who have kind of grown in prominence over the last few years uh, stand in elections uh, most notably that's happening in london uh, piers corbyn um, who's kind of emerged as one of the faces of the anti-lockdown conspiracy theory movement uh, over the last year is running for London Mayor under the banner, under the banner Let London Live. Uh, they explicitly deny the ongoing pandemic uh, and call for the immediate cancellation of the vaccine rollout, of lockdown and of social distancing. And Corbyn himself was arrested in uh, February for distributing leaflets, likening vaccination efforts uh, to Auschwitz-Birkenau. 
at the concentration camp. Also in London, uh, we've got a couple of other uh, members running. We have uh, David Curtin, uh, who is an anti-vaxxer active within the UK conspiracy theory scene, uh, used to be a UKIP London Assembly member, and he's running for the Heritage Party, uh, who are also standing in the parliamentary uh, by election. They're a party that um, believe in repealing hate crime laws, in curtailing em immigration, and rolling back environmental legislation, as well as their uh, conspiracy theory uh, mindedness. So there are there are candidates uh, up and down the country, and there are still uh, lots of independent candidates to, um, to 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 find out their their, their roots. But um, you know, I think the overall picture is that you know the, the far right and the extreme right are very ill-equipped uh, to run in these elections, but still are trying to remain a presence and to go back to Nick's earlier point you know we only have to drop the ball once and in you know every ward in the country and then you know members of the far right and the extreme right get elected uh, and that's why we have to be you know we have to understand where the threat is uh, but also uh, make sure that we're ready and people are registered to vote uh, in order to combat that. Thank you for that uh, comprehensive analysis Lauren. Um, I just had another question kind of on this topic. If we have listeners in the places you just mentioned and are as equally perturbed by some of the candidates you just mentioned, um, what can they do to kind of help us smash the fash outside of just registering to vote? Like how can they get involved in their communities during these election times? Sure, so I mean, I think uh, first and foremost, there's one thing about being registered to vote uh, yourself, but it's friends and family and people in the local community uh, they need to make sure registered to vote. Lots of people over the last year have joined local Facebook groups or WhatsApp groups for their streets or their local community uh, and posting information in there uh, is really vital. Uh, that's number one. Number two um, is sharing information about candidates in your in your in your area. So if you see you know information on our website uh, that that you know uh, pertains to candidates in, in your patch and you know you want to let your local residents also know that that's happening, whether that's writing to the local paper or um, again, posting it uh, online and in, 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 in local Facebook groups. Uh, and then and then and then finally, um, you know, th there are there are, you know, will be lots of other candidates uh, on your ballot paper and ensuring that uh, people understand uh, both how to vote uh, in, in, you know, what is going to be a unique set of elections uh, still with, you know, coronavirus restrictions uh, in place uh, and also um, you know the importance of uh, voting for 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 candidates that won't be throwing that division, and um, you know having that um, explained to friends and family and to work colleagues and to other people in the local community um, are, are are three of the things that you could do in these elections. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, so we are running a voter registration campaign in part to encourage people to register to vote, but another really large. An important part of it has been to raise the alarm on barriers to voting and how they've disproportionately affected marginalized communities. Um, I was just wondering if you could both touch on this and why it's been an important part of this campaign. Um, maybe Nick, I'll go to you first, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can talk about some some barriers. I mean, the, the first one is, um, I suppose, most straightforward, the, uh, the, the, the COVID uh, pandemic uh, and anxieties around that. That's clearly Going to uh, going to impact turnout at this election, um, but I think there are there are quite a few uh, other ones as well. I mean, uh, a significant one is the general private renter churn. 
Um, so, you know, renters on, on, on short tenancies, moving house, moving house quickly and frequently, um, not registering and potentially not re-registering or forgetting to do so or, or all the rest of it, all of those, you know, that, 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 that could very much happen in that general quite stressfully, uh, quite stressful time of, of moving house. And also the likelihood of if you're in a private rented house, living in a house of multiple occupancy, uh, meaning that, you know, post gets lost, doors aren't answered if someone comes around door knocking, that kind of thing. And another really important one, um, you know, studies have shown how financial precarity is a, is a really can be quite a significant barrier to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to voting and to registering to vote. You know, if somebody uh, is very much focused on putting food on the table um, and, and that occupies a lot of headspace, then, you know, everything else um, understandably is secondary um, to that. Um, I think as well, like more broadly, uh, clearly, um, you know, our polling has shown this as well over the last few years, but a lack of trust uh, and a faith and faith in politicians uh, is a significant barrier. I, I think, uh, you know, in the last 30 years that has gone off a cliff, um, especially since, you know, since the Iraq war, since the expenses scandal, since austerity, all of these things has, has compounded that problem which has also had a uh, exacerbated a kind of lack of faith in democracy itself. Um, so, you know, those two very much related uh, significant barrier as well. Um, another one I would say is, uh, is homelessness. If you don't have a, a, a fixed abode, you're not able to, to register to vote. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a significant one. There are clearly, you know, accessibility questions for people with disabilities as well. Um, language can be a barrier, you know, if you don't speak, um, if you, if you, if English isn't your first language, um, then that presents quite a significant barrier in terms of keeping up with elections, but also, you know, knowing what's happening when and, and who to vote for and all the rest of it. So, so I, I think that those are some, some broad ones. Laron, you know, as our election guru, as you've amply shown in the last, uh, in the, in the, in the last answer, have you got any other ones or? Yeah, I think I think uh, to to I mean I think all of those points are you know completely valid. I think uh, to return to to COVID um, and 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 and, and, I, and I also think this is true uh, outside of COVID as well. I think the uh, lack of um, the ability to digitally register for a postal vote, um, and I think you know there's a whole other conversation about uh, voting online. But you know minimum voting by post um, is is a pretty arduous process. Uh, so yeah, you, you have to send a paper form back to uh, your own local authority in order to register for a postal vote. Now, some very small amount, uh, Camden being a good example, sent postal vote registration forms to every resident. If that didn't happen, one option was to to uh, ask your local authority to send one to you, um, but that you know was a slow process and, and and didn't work perfectly in lots of local authorities. But if not, then you have to print it yourself. Now, uh, in you know non-pandemic times, most people would have at least a place of education, a place of work, uh, you know, a local authority library where they could go for free and print, you know, a a register to vote form, a register for a post to vote form. But in in lockdown, you know, all of those places are closed, or a lot of people aren't turning up to those places. And so it depends on people having a working printer at home and some polling that we did before these elections showed that 30% of, of, of people in this country don't have a working printer at home. 
also once you even have printed it and this happened uh, to me i i managed to print it uh, at my mum's but then once i'd printed it i realized that i needed an envelope and a stamp uh to to send it and i i didn't have either of those two things at home so i had to go and buy envelopes and stamps in order to be able to send off my postal application form and so you know there are lots of barriers to to, to what should be a very simple system uh to get people to register to vote to vote from home and i think the reason why that's so important in these elections is you know i think we should recognize that there'll be lots of people for lots of different reasons who will still feel uncomfortable about engaging too much in you know going outside in in society and you know by the time election day happens people still won't be allowed to have a meal inside go inside to a pub and so the idea of going into a you know an old church hall or you know uh, school hall and and going inside and voting is something that you know there will be people who won't wish to do that and so ensuring that they have another avenue to do it that is as easy as you know walking down the street and, and, and going to your local polling station i.e voting from home uh it, 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 it is, is something that should have been invested in uh, much earlier rather than kind of the piecemeal approach that some local authorities have uh, managed to cobble together um and then and then wider than that i would say that unfortunately there are lots of people in this country who whilst you know would understand the process of being able to register to vote just don't feel that their vote will make a difference or uh, that they just don't have an interest in politics or particularly local local politics uh, and, and 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 you know therefore take themselves out of these election processes and i think every, everything that nick has said so far about the importance for anti-fascists in, in voting these elections um you know is is completely valid but unfortunately that you know there are lots of people in this country we, we again in, in in the same dinner polling that we did we asked people who uh, said they were definitely not or unlikely to vote the five most common reasons um for why they wouldn't vote and what came top was my vote won't make a difference and that was ahead of you know catching covid uh, by 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 quite some way so you know there was also the you know challenging of political apathy uh, and an increasing political education work that you know even if people have the you know best ease of being able to register to vote or register for a postal vote or proxy vote and um, you know there, there's a still a you know sizable percentage of the country that just wouldn't be interested in voting in local elections and that's something that we have to challenge because as, as nick said before you know anti-fascists completely outnumber uh fascists but we have to make sure that all anti-fascists understand the importance of voting in in every election uh, that takes place. I'm pretty sure at, in 2019, the University of Sheffield tried a new automatic registration system for for students. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, I think, if that if that gets rolled out any further. I mean, I don't know if either of you uh, know any more about that, but I, that seems like a, a good approach to sort of dealing with the underrepresentation of young people, which I think we're going to come on to in a bit anyway. But uh, that seems like a good approach, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not something I actually have heard of before, but it seems like a yeah a really good approach. Laurent, have you have you heard of that? So I I I wouldn't have been able to say which which university or which area did uh, the trial, but but I, I was aware that a trial took place. But I think unfortunately we do seem to have a government who you know are, are not interested in increasing um, you know the ability of people to register to vote and uh, you know coming down the tracks with um 
you know, things to suppress votes even further, especially from undervoiced communities. Uh, you know, some of the changes that, that we're hearing, the trials that they've done around, uh, you know, mandatory voter ID at uh, polling stations is just one example of the way that, uh, you know, it seems like this government is 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 intent on kind of a US-style uh, voter suppression strategy. Um, so whilst I 100% agree um, that more trials and, you know, opening out um, automatic voter registration, and uh, I was speaking to someone recently about uh, the US, uh, a, a US trial of this, I think, I think, uh, again, this might need to be fact-checked, um, in Michigan, um, they, they passed an automatic voter registration, which also included uh, registering, you could register to vote on the day. Uh, so if you, you know, moved into the area before the register, after the registration deadline, and you moved to the area and you wanted to register to vote, you could do that on the day at the town hall. Um, that will come in for the first time in, in, the, in the midterm elections in 2022, I believe. Uh, and so, you know, there'll be lots of there are lots of examples around the world of how we could do much better at making sure that people are registered to vote and i think automatic voter registration is one simple one uh to do that but unfortunately i think we need to you know maintain what we have currently uh and and and, and not go backwards um, as much as I'd love to move forwards uh, in terms of getting people to register to vote. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really glad you brought up the issue of voter ID. I mean, I think these discussions on barriers to voting are increasingly important in the context of our government trying to introduce voter ID. I mean, I just think it's one of the worst policies when we've already got so many barriers. And after these election cycles are done, I think this is work that we're going to continue to need to do, you know, in collaboration with other organisations as well who are who are fighting against this, such as you know the traveller movement and stuff. So, yeah, want to want to bear in mind. Um, so, my last question for the both of you um, is about young people and how we can engage them in our democratic process. You know, a large part of this campaign has also been targeting young people. Um, why is it so important for this demographic to turn up and why do they have such low voter turnout generally and what can we do to combat it? Um, who wants well, to take that first, Spoons? I'll, I'll jump in, yeah, okay. if, if that's okay. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I suppose on a, on a sort of broad broad point, you know, if young people, uh, and I suppose this does get set, said quite a lot, but if young people aren't getting involved in the democratic process, then issues that that massively impacts young people and which they care about, they are simply pushed the back of the queue. I mean, low turnout amongst young people, it signals to, to those in positions of power that they don't need to represent them, that they don't need to cater to the issues of young people. And, I, and I'll just, I, I'll expand on that with an example. So, you know, if 95% if of over 65s turn out to vote, but only say, 15% of under 25s, then the government has got an extremely easy decision to make there. It, it, it's going to cater to to those age 65 and over because they will be guaranteed votes and therefore they'll be guaranteed power. And, and I'm afraid to say that is effectively what happens in, in, in elections today in this country. So, so that's a serious problem. Um, and, you know, the, the whole manner in which our society is built is, is favoured towards those with both money and fixed capital. Young people typically don't have either of those things, uh, which means that they are simply reduced to playing second fiddle at elections. 
young people, they're more likely to be stuck in debt. They're more likely to work in the gig economy. They're more likely to be stuck in the rent trap. So it's it, it's really, really important for young people to get out and, and get involved uh, and try and unpick so many of these structural issues and structural forces which kind of which which work against them. Um, and I, I think I suppose my final point would be, you know, if you're a young person, you're listening to this and you think, well, I'm not sure who to vote for. You know, I, I really, really care about environmental issues, you know, then voting for a party that advances those issues, even if they were a fringe one, is not, you know, that you shouldn't think of that as a kind of wasted vote. It's a way of signaling to uh, to the two main parties that, you know, you could, that, that the issues that you care about should be adopted by them, I suppose. So um, that's that's the final point I'd end on. But yeah, that I, I think it's absolutely absolutely paramount importance that we um you know we, we we really try and increase turnout amongst young people as, as much as we can i am um, <laughs> i thought you were about to advocate for a certain party then nick and i thought i was going to have to caveat your comment saying that this is a non-partisan <laughs> campaign <laughs> perfect all right um Laurent, do you do you want to touch on this at all yeah i was going to say and i i kind of thought this is where nick's answer was going i was going to say you know, if people are passionate about uh, particular issues uh, in these elections, and you know, uh, young people are incredibly passionate about politics, whether they see that themselves or not, they're you know incredibly interested in in issues, whether that's you know making sure that they have a good job uh, and they can afford to you know pay rent, uh, you know, aspire to potentially own a home in the future, whether that's about environmental concerns, whether that's about human rights whether that's about equality, you know, there's lots of issues that young people are uh, completely uh, and, and, and utterly exercised about, you know, and and that's really important, but that doesn't always translate into into to voting in elections. And so, you know, I, I'd say in some ways, this election, more than any other, there is an opportunity to, to, to ask those questions, you know, more and more candidates will be on social media, and so there's an opportunity to, to engage with candidates uh, and, and ask them questions that you're interested in. There will also be more online hustings, I imagine, than there's ever been before. And so rather than having to spend, you know, a, a whole evening, uh, you know, turning up to, again, an old church hall or an old school hall um, to listen to candidates, you know, you most likely will be able to uh, Zoom or Teams into into local hustings from from home uh, and therefore be able to ask the questions that you want to ask so if you want to ask you know local you know council candidates or mayoral candidates you know what is your strategy for young people uh, or for, 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 for young adults in, in your area what's your you know green strategy um you know what do you want to do about um advancing lgbt rights or you know women's rights in, in your local area then you can go and ask those questions at, at you know hustings that take place around the country or you know emailing candidates and and and, and asking those questions and, 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 and i think you know hopefully that kind of digital uh, democracy uh, that has you know in some ways been forced upon us uh, through the pandemic but i imagine now will be an irreversible um change uh, to the way that some of our democracy is run uh, would allow more young people to be able to kind of connect some of the you know, issue-based campaigning or you know interest that 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 we you know kind of do alongside um, uh, you know attaching that to to party politics and you know getting involved in voting in elections. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, 
so that's the end of my questioning. Um, before we leave, I did just want to give you both a chance to have any final comments if there's anything you'd like to add before before we end. Um, I would just like to add that if you're listening to this and you haven't registered to vote, please go and do it. I mean, you have absolutely no excuse. If you can listen to us blabber on about elections for half an hour, then you can definitely go and register to vote. Um, but yeah, Nick, Laurent, do you have anything you want to say? I suppose I'd just say if you're listening and uh, you you love what we do, you want to support our work, um, please join uh, the Hope Education Fund or Hope Action Fund. Um, you know, from as little as five pounds a month, you can uh, you can support our work, uh, especially some of our really really important work in schools. Um, talking to and working with young people. Uh, on the issues like prejudice and discrimination, but also things to do with democratic participation. So if you do want to uh, get involved with that, please do um, head to our website. Um, that's, all, that's all I'd say. Liron? You, you, you both definitely stole the things that I was going to say. I, I, think, I think the last thing is, yes, you're registered to vote, but make sure that, you know, tell five of your friends and family uh, to register to vote as well um, and, 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 and make sure they're registered and you know yes Nick mentioned before about uh, you know people you know, renting and moving a lot but you can register to vote now for as long as you stay in that property and so for some people that will be you know being able to be registered for you know any elections that that, that, that come up in, in, in the near future and you know there will be a general election in the next three years there will be other local elections in the next uh, you know three or four years as well and so you know making sure that you're registered to vote and not seeing it as you know just this one-time thing but making sure that you're on that uh, register which you know not not just for um you know voting it also helps with your credit rating as well um and you know there's lots of other benefits of being on the electoral register um so just make sure that you do it that your friends and family do it and people in your local community do it Absolutely, absolutely. And actually, I was lying before, I do have one more point. Um, Hope Not Hate are looking for election legends uh, and young ambassadors to kind of help us um, with this movement and this campaign to get young people really involved in our democratic processes. So uh, if you're under the age of 25 um, and would like to get involved, do DM us on Instagram or email us. Um, let us know you're interested and we'll we'll get in touch with more information. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything from us. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Kevin Courtney as well for joining us on this podcast. Bye. Cheers, Roxy. Bye. I do hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast and are by now thoroughly worked up about elections and anti-fascist praxis. We have lots coming up in future weeks, so please do keep your eyes peeled like, subscribe and write a review about the good, the bad and the ugly of this episode. Anything you can do to help promote this podcast and therefore grow a hopeful anti-fascist politics. Until next time, comrades.